We'll be talking travel with Sally Lucas, and we do it for our sponsor, Travel on King, going somewhere in the Indian Ocean. We are, and this, I think, is an area I have never even spoken about before, so I thought, why not? A first. A first. So Christmas Island and the Cocos Keeling Islands. And it's very interesting, I mean, whether people do know this or not, but I know I have seen, you know, a documentary regarding the crab migration. Of course, they have these red crabs, and it's when the uh, female crabs are going to lay their eggs, and they cross from one side of the island to the other, and it's an annual migration, which is absolutely unbelievable all these red crabs on march and it's you just can't even walk like there's no spare space for you to put your foot down so that is quite an incredible thing to go and see anyway and they're there all year round but they do have this as i said particular time of year which i can't remember when it is but i'm sure if you googled it you'd find when they actually do that migration but it's also been called as or referred to as australia's galapagos because of the fact that it is a fairly unique area and you've got plenty of other attractions as well they have other than the famous red crabs they've got what they call giant robber crabs and i'm not sure what they rob, but anyway. Sounds scary. Rare birds, including the red-footed and brown boobies, frigate birds, and there's a bird um, called the golden boson, which attracts bird watchers from across the world because it's so rare. Um, snorkeling and diving is uh, particularly spectacular, and you've got whale sharks, manta rays, dolphins, and of course, and tropical fish in abundance. So it's an interesting place to go to, and I guess we know of it more of where sometimes you know people who've been boat people and have been sent to first before you know they get to Australia, of course. But the one thing too with um, Christmas Island, and in, when I go on a bit further to the Cocos and Keeling, you do need to hire a car because there is no public transport. So to get around the island, um, there's a taxi that only operates limited hours, but they have the the car, I'll get right in a minute, the hire cars available for you, of course, at the airport and, of course, to return to the airport. Um, the cars are four-wheel drive because access to many of the best sites are along dirt roads and including a beach called Dolly Beach, which was voted number seven in the 2017 Best Beaches in Australia. So it's it's pretty spectacular, um, and the migrating crabs they say is linked to the onset of the first rains. That's I knew I had read that somewhere. Usually from around late October to December is when you see that migration happening. The weather's tropical, um, twenty to thirty degrees Celsius every day of the year is the range. Um, and as I just mentioned, the wet season it starts late October and usually goes through to about March. Um, the nights can be cooler, but the day's more humid, and your dry season is from May to September, which they say offers virtually perfect weather. Um, it stands over 350 metres above sea level, the island in general, and plunges steeply to a depth of 5,000 metres. Um, so it's really quite unusual. So it's a, the island has several plateaus, all of different altitudes, and they said think of it as looking like a layered wedding cake if you can imagine that as uh, the description of it. So very interesting. And it sounds as though it's quite big too. Yes, I'm car. not sure what the actual um, kilometres of the island is. I didn't check into that, Jane. But yes, mm. obviously you do need a car to get around. There's a lot of accommodation there, quite a good range of accommodation actually, um, self, from self-contained to you know motel style to cottages, whatever. So, And you can fly from Perth obviously, so you'd have to get yourself to Perth and then from Perth across. And they do have diving tours and Indian Ocean experiences, they call it. They do a panoramic bird tour, a photography tour, a nature tour, so quite a lot of, available. 
Then the Cocos Keeling Islands, they consist of 27 coral islands, uh, which encircle a lagoon, which would be quite spectacular, wouldn't it? Sounds great. Each island's made up of white sand and plenty of palm trees, of course, but of the 27, only two are inhabited, and they're the West and Home Island. Um, most of your time, they said, would be spent on West Island because that's where the airport and most accommodation and shops are. But there's several daily ferries which will take you to the other island, and it's, it's called the Cocos Malay Community that you can go and visit as well. And the ferries also run to an island called Direction Island, where it was the 2017 winner of the best beach of Australia called Cozzy's Beach. So there you go, two areas that I didn't realise were considered in that top ten of the best beaches. So, again, it's only got a population of about 650. Um, Wonderful. The temperature rarely exceeds 32 or falls below 20. And again, the dry and wet season, pretty similar to, to obviously the other island of Christmas Island as well. And again, you've got a range of different style accommodation, including, you know, homestays, um, mainly, mainly self-contained on there as well. And then you can do diving, of course, there as well. And you, uh, you hire, um, you, you can hire utes and dual cabs and things like that to get around. And you can go and explore the other islands as well. So I just thought that's something really different and interesting that's just on our doorstep that we tend to forget about. Talking travel on to a new RFM for our sponsor, Travel on King. Now, expedition cruising, uh, the two are not totally different, are they? Expeditions, you think of explorers, mm, and do. cruising, you think of sitting back and relaxing, but you can also explore. You can, and I think the beauty of expedition cruising is usually you have a, a smaller capacity of passengers, which means you get on and off the boat, the ship, should I say, very quickly onto your rubber duckies or whatever is getting you ashore. You also have some very talented people on board who are experts on the areas that you're going to, so you have wonderful lectures and all this sort of thing, so you're getting so much information. So you are travelling on a vessel, but it's not what I would call cruise-style cruising, a lot of it. There are some five-star you know, vessels that do do it, but as a general rule of thumb, it, it's a more relaxed, not dress-up style of cruising. It's really about where you're going and what you're doing. So we have talked about the Kimberley before, so I probably don't need to talk about that again. I've talked about it many times about how wonderful that is. Um, but you can also do another one that does Cape York and Arnhem Land. So, you know, if you've already done the Kimberley, I mean, that might be another beautiful one to do. And I remember reading a report from a journalist who did it once some years ago, and she was brought to tears when they went ashore to an area that you can only get to by vessel on one of these cruises, the top of the Northern Territory somewhere, I think, might have been near Nullanby or somewhere near there. And she was listening to the women talking about their dream time and the stories they told. She was just sitting there with tears running down her cheeks. She said it just was the most moving thing she'd ever experienced. So these are some of the things that you could experience. And I'm talking mainly today about a company called um, Coral Expedition Cruises because they've expanded. They used to just do mainly that area in Queensland, but they've gone into a lot of other areas now, including Tasmania. So there's a lovely trip you can do now, a seven-night coastal expedition voyage that goes down all the bottom south um, south, what, east, yes, a part of, of Tasmania, which you're nudging into these lovely little bays and doing some wonderful walks. You go ashore, do hikes and walks and treks and, yeah, calling to Bruni Island and all things like this. And you're seeing the wonderful wildlife that you get to see down there. So it's a combination, again, as you said, Jane, of sort of doing walking, trekking, exploring, 
being a bit of a pilgrim in some ways, so it's really great. They also do a New Guinea circle, a complete circle of New Guinea, a complete circumnavigation, which is quite incredible. Um, there you can buy sections of it, or you can do the whole 25 nights from Cairns to Weewak and on to Darwin. So that's an incredible voyage that you can do. And they also do uh, Papua New Guinea with the Spice Islands which are a very interesting area of the world to visit as well. So just to give you an idea, there's so many areas now where you can get out and do this wonderful small ship cruising into the most pristine and beautiful areas that you cannot access in, by any other means. So it is wonderful. Um, so there's that. And also I thought I'd mention too that well, while we're talking cruising, Oceania Cruises have introduced 10 new journeys into Cuba from March this year. So this is really interesting. And I thought while I'd talk about the cruising into Cuba, it's still being a little bit more difficult by air, but by doing it this way, it's a lot easier and they are actually giving you decent time. Like it's, you nearly got all overnight stays and time to do excursions in Cuba. So, you know, you go to places like uh, Havana and Cienfuegos, which is, means Bay of Fires, which is fantastic. Santiago de Cuba, which is a wonderful place and there as well. So they do these out of Miami and they're doing a regular I said range of cruises. If this might be a lot easier way for you to do it until everything really, I think, develops more with with air travel and getting visas. So just keep that in mind. That yes, Cuba is on everyone's, I think, bit of a, uh, a wish list at the moment, and it is books out so far ahead. Even if you're doing a land based tour, it's just become so popular. People have obviously wanted to go there for years, and now that they've got the opportunity, everyone's rushing to get there before it changes. Yes. As yes. we all know, we, we'd hate to think it would change so much, particularly the wonderful old areas of, of Havana. And it, it is such a fascinating place. You know, I still remember it very, very fondly. And it, it, it is a destination that I think, yes, it probably should be on your bucket list. And I guess, yes, you should be going soon. But as I said, plan early. Um, it won't be something you can just decide to go as a last minute thing because, it, you know, everything, land or, or ocean, books out a fair way ahead. Mm, Cuba. Oh, another island. Lots of islands. Lots of islands today. Yes, (laughs) I guess we could have called it our island destination holiday today. (laughs) Thank you, Sally Lucas. Thank you, Jane. And we do it for our sponsor, Travel on King, on 2NURFM. Thanks for listening to this podcast from 2NURFM at the University of Newcastle. Topics range from gardening to health, well-being, pet care, finance, business and travel. You'll find them all at 2NURFM.com.